Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, in our Chiefs Wire roundtable, we break down the upcoming matchup against the winless New York Jets, and this could possibly be a trap game moving forward. But first, as always, we start off with Chiefs Wire managing editor, Charles Goldman. What was your biggest takeaway from last Sunday's win versus the Broncos? Yeah, my takeaway was that this team can beat you in a number of different ways. We saw the defense score points with uh, Daniel Sorensen returning a pick six there uh, in, in single coverage. I mean, it was a beautiful play. He just jumps the route, takes it all the way to the house, a 50-yard touchdown return from Dirty Dan. Uh, we saw the special teams as a whole have really their best game of the season. Obviously, Byron Pringle scoring the 102-yard touchdown return. And then uh, he, he had another great play later in the game. He downed a punt on, on the one-yard line, so kind of a, a combo play from rookie punter Tommy Townsend and uh, Byron Pringle there for you. That was great. And then the running game. You know, they didn't have a, a big day on the ground, but they, they averaged in total Clyde Edwards-Solaire and um, uh, Le'Veon Bell there. They averaged 6.5 yards per carry on the day. So really a big big game from from those kind of three components and the crazy thing is the the offense didn't even really have a great day they were 0 for 8 on third downs which is just a crazy stat and then they settled for three field goals uh in the red zone yet they still beat their opponent by 27 points and it's just mind-boggling because this team could have won that game by 50 points had the offense been firing on all cylinders so they don't necessarily need each component to come out and have their best game every week to, to win, particularly the offense, which is something they've relied on the past two seasons. But I, I think that these other units, if they're elevating their play each and every week, getting better each and every week, one, one of these days we're going to see that game where they're all playing just at their peak level. And that's going to be when you see this team in its truest form. And I think it's going to be really fun to watch. Do you believe the Le'Veon Bell signing has lit a fire under Clyde Edwards-Alaire? You know, I don't think so. I think Edwards-Alaire um, was already really on his way to having a great rookie season well before Le'Veon Bell was in the picture. I mean, he still has the second most scrimmage yards in the National Football League behind, I believe, um, Saints running back Alvin Kamara. He started looking really comfortable when it comes to running the ball. He needs to work on some things in the passing game. He's had a few drops. He had a drop touchdown pass this past week. That was catchable. If anything, I, I really feel that, that Bell's addition will help Clyde in the long run. You have to remember that originally Edwards Elaire was drafted to work behind Damian Williams. Well, Williams opts out of the season, and boom, Clyde's your starting running back. And that's a lot of pressure for a young rookie to kind of take on here in his first season. And I think having a veteran guy like Le'Veon, a guy who has really seen the heights of this league at the running back position, was a true bell cow running back uh, in this league, I think he'll really help Clyde develop into a better player moving forward. Now, it'll also help him stay fresh throughout the season. Chiefs fans are well aware of how easy it is to get dinged up at the running back position in the National Football League. Look back to those seasons with uh, Spencer Ware and Charkandrick West filling in for, for Jamal Charles. Or... Kareem Hunt, a couple seasons later, filling in for Spencer Ware. So 
I, I think we understand that this is a tough league, that you're going to get some injuries here and there, that guys are going to get dinged up, and you need to have more than than one guy who can do everything that, that you want to do, who can be that guy at the running back position. So I, I think signing Le'Veon, it's going to help Clyde learning and, and whatnot moving forward, but it's also going to keep him fresh, keep him healthy, um, which is important because really having both of these guys makes this offense just so much more dangerous. Like I said last week, 6.5 yards per carry, and they didn't even really run the ball that much against the Broncos there. Do you think it was important to see productive minutes from Chad Henney and other backups towards the end of the game? Yeah, you know, that's always a big thing for backup players. I was actually surprised that some other guys like Danny Isadora and Yasir Durant didn't get some snaps on the offensive line, given the injuries that they've had at that that position group. Both were active during the game, but they didn't get those 10 or so snaps uh, uh, toward the end there. But yeah, I, I think it's very important. We know that the NFL season is a war of attrition, kind of like how I was just talking about with the running backs there. But uh, injuries are going to happen. And even 10 snaps for these backup players is huge. I think for Henny specifically, I mean, to get that confidence of scoring a touchdown for him, that's got to be a big thing because those were his first points since, gosh, I don't know, what, 2014, I think. I think it was 2014. And he's also coming back off that that ankle injury last year. And he didn't have a preseason to kind of work that out and, and, and you know, know that he was good to, to come back from that. So, yeah, he's got practice, but, you know, you can't really, really simulate in practice what it's like to have, you know, a defender coming at you trying to to hit you with the same type of ferocity. You don't get that in practice. So I think that could be really important for the Chiefs down the line. Obviously, we know injuries happen. No one wants to see uh, Patrick get hurt. But, I, I mean, we know after last year that freak things can happen and, now we we know we have a little bit of confidence in our backup quarterback um, who's different from from the one we saw in there last year with with Matt Moore. So I, I think if Henny had to had to come in and play or even if it's one of those things where the Chiefs are resting the starters the last week of the season, you're feeling really confident that you can get some meaningful minutes out of your backup quarterback after seeing him, you know, kind of run that that two minute offense back uh, at the end of the game and week seven there is there a concern that this week's game against the winless jets could be a letdown game there's always that concern and and i think the chiefs are just well aware of it um andy reed and patrick mahomes they both commented on it during their press conferences on wednesday and i'm paraphrasing but they essentially said you can't overlook any team in the national football league and that's not how how we do things so they don't look at records. They don't look at the, the point spread or anything like that. They don't listen to the to the talk jocks out there on the on the radio or on, you know, uh, uh, ESPN or, or Fox Sports or any of that. Um, their preparation is based on film study and they treat their opponents with the proper respect. Because remember, the Jets may look like the worst team in the NFL right now. But they're still one of just 32 NFL teams. The players and the coaches on that team are among the very few who are privileged enough to get to play in the National Football League. And I think Andy Reid, Mahomes, and and really everyone in that Kansas City locker room, the coaching staff, and, and the building seem to have an appreciation for that and respect that. Because, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who aren't in this league. Yeah, you know, a lot of players who probably could play in the league, a lot of coaches who probably could coach in the league and they're not in it. So they have to pay the the proper respect to the ones who are there and um, and ensure that they're preparing for each and every game with that same type of intensity. Otherwise, you know, you're going to run into some of those trap games or those letdown games. So they're they're not intending to to let that happen uh, to overlook or uh, underappreciate the type of team that the Jets are just because they're they're struggling to win football games this season. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? 
Yeah, uh, of course. We've got tons of stuff uh, recapping last week's win over the Broncos. A, a lot of it on Le'Veon Bell's debut with the Chiefs. Um, I kicked off Tuesday now going over some players that I believe the Chiefs would be interested in if they were made available at the trade deadline. Uh, obviously, the trade deadline is coming up next week. We're a week away from that. It's uh, also election day, so that's going to be a busy one. But I think we could see some of these transactions coming through a little bit earlier just because of the COVID-19 protocols. The fact that players, it, it takes so long to get them in the building now. So teams might find a little more motivation to get some of these trades done and start talking a little earlier than they would have um, if this was a normal season. So uh, there's that. And then also we've got a ton of content uh, on the way previewing the upcoming week eight game against the New York Jets. Be sure to check all of that out. As always, we have endless amounts of appreciation for those of you who visit the website and listen to the podcast every week. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much and go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back and it's that time again. We are here in the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. I got Mitch Carty. I got Talon Graff. I got the Chiefs coming off a huge victory over the Denver Broncos, which I don't even know if you could call it a game. It was, it was such a dominant performance. But uh, we're all feeling good right now in terms of Chiefs' kingdom. So, Mitch, I, I'm just going to start off right away. What is your takeaway from this blowout win? I mean, I don't really know how to take it because it just seemed like such a weird game. Like, the offense barely played. We had a special teams touchdown and we had a defensive touchdown. It just kind of looked like one of those games where the Broncos just didn't come to play and we were just able to kind of do whatever we want. And it seems like the offense just didn't really show a whole lot because they didn't need to. So I just kind of took it like, hey, this was an easy win and we'll just move on to the next week. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Just a, just one of those weeks, man. Uh, the Chiefs just look like the the most complete team. And and really, I don't know if there's a more complete team than the Chiefs. Every every team you look at, they kind of have that Achilles heel. I guess the Steelers, you can probably put in there, they're, they've looked pretty solid. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just this was such a good uh, example of how deep and how good the Chiefs are. And even if Patrick Mahomes throws for two bills and one touchdown and gets sacked three times, the Chiefs can still win 43-16. to 16. So, I, you know, that, that, that makes me pretty excited. It was definitely exciting and impressive just all around. Because you, you're talking about they scored on special teams, offense, and defense. You know, that, that really happens in the game. That's why I say it's such a complete game. And I think the biggest, my opinion, the biggest takeaway of all, because there's just so many different takeaways, we got to see the backups play. You know a team in the NFL, which it rarely happens, where the team is that dominant in the game where you see the backup quarterback, the backup running back. You basically saw the, the entire second team that you could put out there get a chance to play. So I, I just thought that was, that was worth noting. But, uh, you know, because like, I, I could try to dissect it, but how about we look at just the players that really surprised us in this game. Um, I, I don't want, I'm going to throw his name out there, but I don't think it's too much of a surprise because he always has one or two of these games every year. Daniel Sorensen, once again, finds different ways to make, make plays in, in a game. And it, it's always it's sort of random. Talon, I'm going to come back to you on this. What are your thoughts on Dirty Dan just uh, always stepping up in, when you least expect it? Dude, that, that guy was playing a game. Like, he – just the look on his face. Like, there was something that happened to him that week that he was like, I'm going to have the best game of my life. And, it, like, for whatever reason, he was playing with this chip on his shoulder. And I don't know what it was, but I'm happy to see it. And I've been very, maybe not on this show, but like just as, you know, as a fan talking to friends, I've been very vocal about, I haven't been the biggest Daniel Sorensen supporter. You know, I feel like he, he does have these games every now and then. It's, it, and, and, and even though they are so few and far between when he does it, it's like that is why the Chiefs hang on to him because he can be a difference maker. Um, so, yeah, thrilled to see Dirty Dan do his thing and um, take that pick. That was such a good play. But, yeah, man, I, I haven't been the biggest supporter of his, but – thrilled to death to see him do what he did yeah to just add on to what talon said uh i mean dirty dan he's you know he's gonna make mistakes like you know everybody sees when he makes his mistakes and everybody can be pretty hard on him 
But for the most part, he's a very good role player. He comes in, does his job very good on special teams. So he's for the value that we have in him, um, what we're getting out is really impressive. So like he makes plays like he like like he did last week against the Broncos. Um, he may not have a game like that every week, but like you said, we get a game like that every year at least or, or two. So for the value that we're getting with him is really impressive. Uh, definitely very impressive. And, and, it, and remember, he was one of my uh, favorite guys in the beginning of the season just because he always kind of has these these random, like, big games. And he's a reserve player that's always ready to play. And this is the type of stuff, you you know, you love to see. So uh, definitely hats off to him. And uh, how about Byron Pringle? How about, you know, him taking it back, 102 yards kickoff return for a touchdown? Do you feel like, you know, we talk about Demarcus Robinson. We talk about all the different weapons that the uh, Chiefs have. Byron Pringle has been around. Is he just one of those guys that's just extremely underrated? And this was just an example of what he could bring to bring to a team. And obviously the Chiefs are so stacked that you don't see him often. But was this just an example of that? And Mitch, I'm going to come back to you on this. I mean, yeah, it seems like every time Byron Pringle is in the game, it seems like he always makes a play happen. Um, I just remember like last year against the Colts, he got, uh, you know, he's getting some really good playing time and he had that really good touchdown catch. Um, and then, you know, he had a really good uh, catch against the Bills two weeks ago um, that helped put the Chiefs into uh, like a, a good field goal range to, you know, kind of put the game on ice. And then he had this really big kick return last week. And to be honest, I don't know how he wasn't a kick returner this whole season. Uh, you know, I think Andy Reid and uh, Dave Tobe talked about this a little bit after the game, but like Byron Pringle just took off running. Like I felt like I just got so used to watching Nicole Harden return those kicks that he just kind of looked kind of, a little too patient back there. Didn't really know what hole to hit. But it just seemed like as soon as Byron Pringle caught that ball, he just took off running. He knew exactly what he was doing. So, like, I think moving forward, he should definitely be our kick returner. He looked great. I'd like to see him get more of a role in the offense. Um, I know that's going to be probably unlikely, especially once Sammy Watkins returns. But I just love watching Byron Pringle right now. He's one of those players I'm looking for every week just because I feel like he can make a big play and make a difference in, he, in every game he plays in. Yeah, he he's definitely a guy that's gotten better and better, and he hadn't been in the league that long. I think this is his second year, um, but this is a guy that made plays all over the field for Kansas State, and that that's coming from an offense that didn't throw the ball a lot. Um, but yeah, he was Kansas State seems to produce you know some good receivers. Jordy Nelson, Tyler Lockett just had a huge game. Byron Pringle, so these guys come in under the radar, um, and he was he was a very big uh, pivotal kick returner for them too. So it's not that surprising to see him succeed in the special teams aspect of the game uh, I just want to see more I want to see more Pringle I think he's starting to get that where he's comfortable in the game he's comfortable in his role he, he's starting to figure out things in the offense um, and I think if he starts to build more trust with Mahomes man there's no reason why Pringle can't be the number three receiver it'll definitely be interesting especially when you know Sammy Watkins is healthy and you know, obviously you have to put Watkins in the lineup if he is healthy. So Pringle is always going to be odd man out, but it was good to see him step up when given the opportunity. And it was the perfect game for it. You know, you're going against a Broncos team that has his ups and downs. And obviously this past Sunday was a, a big down for them. So um, it was just great to see Pringle break out. Uh, another guy that we, you know, I know I personally have, um, I've gone all over in regards to his performance the last couple of weeks, but uh, Traverius Ward played well. And, uh, you know, he led the team in tackles. He had the sack against Drew Locke later in the game. Talon, what do you feel – do you feel like this was something that Javarius Ward needed? Did he show you something to say, okay, he's a guy that's one of our top two corners and should be a mainstay moving forward? You know, yeah, he did show me something. I was, I was happy to see him get back on the right track. Um, he, he needs to do a little bit more, though, to build that trust. I know, you know, it's, it's not fair to say, well, one bad game versus one good game. You know, how do you really – compare the two what do you trust more um you know and it's he has struggled a little bit this season I don't you know that one last week I think was his worst game by far um so this is a big bounce back week for Ward but I do want to see him be more consistent I want to see him take that next step you know we there's a lot of talk in the offseason especially from Ward that he wanted to be considered an elite top tier cornerback well that you know 90 percent of that falls on him he you know a lot of course the scheme and coaching and all that but he has to play more consistent and the hand injury, um, you know, maybe that did a little something to him mentally, but yeah, he, he had a big game this week and I just want to see that continue moving forward. I mean, yeah, he had a good game. I don't know if like, it changed a lot for me on how I feel about Trevor Ward. I feel like he's a very good corner for, you know, his worth and how much we're paying him. 
And I also didn't take too much, you know, too much stock out of him after he had that bad game against the Raiders. So it was just a bad game. But I don't want to look too much into this Broncos game for him just because the Broncos looked god-awful this week. I mean, the flea flicker was just off. You know, Drew Locke threw a couple of interceptions. Just the whole offense just looked really bad. So I don't know how much stock to put into that. But at least Charverius Ward didn't get burned, and he looked good throughout most of the game. So I'll give him that, but I'd like to see him do that against some top-tier talent again, especially with a team that has a lot of speed at receiver. I, I know I want to see what he would do against Henry Ruggs and see if he lets that speed burn him again. But uh, I'll give him credit where credit's due. He did good against the Broncos, but I just don't know how much stock I want to put into it. Broncos, you know, I remember, Mitch, you were actually a big uh, big supporter of this in terms of the weapons that were around Drew Locke going into the season that they did bring in some skill guys. So it was – I do give Tavarius Ward some type of credit there. I'm not saying that he was going against A-plus talent, but he was going against some some decent talent there, and uh, it, it, it should be noted. So I feel like it was a big game for him to come back and, uh, and really show something. But uh, my last note about the game, and I did bring up about how the backups got a chance to play. How about seeing Chad Henney on the field? Uh, it's been a long time seeing Chad Henney in a meaningful game for the Chiefs. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. He, he, went, he scored a touchdown. He gave him the, uh, the little, like, shirt and everything at the end of the game as a joke in the locker room uh, about, you know, playing in the snow game. But even in his brief stint, were you guys impressed with Chad Henney, and are you comfortable with him being the backup moving forward? And Mitch, I'm coming back to you. All right, so no lie, whenever he scored that touchdown, that's the loudest I cheered all game. I was so excited for Chad Henney. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm comfortable being, with him being the backup quarterback. To be honest, I'm comfortable with any backup quarterback um, because if, you know, if he has to play throughout the rest of the season, like say Mahomes gets hurt and he can't play, which that would be awful, but the season's already over after that. I don't think we're going to win a Super Bowl unless we have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. So, yeah, I'm comfortable with Chad Henney for a couple games, you know, backing up Mahomes if Mahomes was out for a couple weeks like he was last year. But I'd be comfortable with really any quarterback behind Mahomes just with how good this offense is and how good Andy Reid is coaching up quarterbacks. But, yeah, I think, you know, seeing Chad Henney play last week and, you know, seeing him have a successful drive against the Broncos defense was definitely promising that, you know, if, if needed, he can go out there and, you know, get the job done. Yeah, Mitch makes a couple of great points. And um, you know, to see Henny be successful is great. He's, he's a good guy. He's been around the league for a long time, um, had a great college career at Michigan. Um, but, you know, I would like to see a younger backup. I mean, he's only – only he's already uh, 35 years old. Who knows how much longer he's going to play. Uh, you know, the, the Chiefs did release Tamu from the practice squad, so he, I don't think he's going to be, you know, a featured backup guy. Um, so, yes, I do trust Chad Henney, but he's just not going to be around very much longer. I want to get a guy in there that's going to be there, you know, knows the offense. I don't want to see this. And, and, and Henney's been around for a few years, so I don't think that's the trend. Um, but I do want to find, you know, a suitable younger guy to fill in for Mahomes in these situations moving forward. You know, obviously not this year, but in years to come. I want to see a younger guy uh, be groomed as a backup, knows, knows the offense in and out, and is, that's what he's there. That's his role. He is the backup to Patrick Mahomes. I want a Chase Daniel type of guy where he's just a lifelong backup for the Chiefs. I love Chad Henney and super thrilled to see him succeed. And I know he's, he's a, he's a well-respected quarterback in the league, but he's not going to be around forever. So I do want to find a replacement for that guy. Cause we, that is very important. Okay. Talon, I definitely hear where you're coming from, but to me, that's so difficult because you're asking for players nowadays to come in and know that you're going to be a backup for 90% of your career when you know everybody in the end of the day wants to be the starter. So it's like it's hard to find a guy, like you were just saying, Chase Daniel, that will come in a young player and know that he's going to be the backup to a guy that is either his age or younger. Um, I, I always prefer to go with the, uh, the grizzled veteran that, that has fallen off a little bit, but he's still good enough to get to win some games as, as like a guy from Mahomes, only because Mahomes is still very young. Um, I would say for probably for like the next five years, if you had a guy, and I'm, say I'm just – tossing out random names of, of players that could be falling off and possibly just needs to hang around for a job. Like, let's say Sam Darnold's available, right, since we're going to talk about the Jets later anyway. Sam Darnold's a guy I would like to have as a backup, only because he is a little older, but he's, you know, he's played, he's played some games, meaningful games. I don't want somebody who's, who's either the same age or younger to have to be groomed to be a backup. It's just, to me, that's always a, 
that's always a recipe for he wants to leave. It comes a quarterback controversy if Mahomes has three bad games or two bad games in a row. I, I don't know. I've always looked to avoid that. But, but Tal, you hear where I'm coming from with that? Oh, 100%. And I can definitely see both sides. I mean, there's definitely some, some perks to having that veteran in your locker room. And, you know, um, you know I guess more what I'm, I'm looking at is I don't want to replace somebody and have him relearn the offense all over. You know, if we have a guy and, – and, and you're absolutely right. Everybody that comes in the league playing quarterback wants to be the guy. Um, but there's only 32 guys. Really, there's probably only 29. You know, there's other three teams that are looking for their guy. So you have to find somebody that, that is willing to know what they can bring to the table. Um, and that's hard to do. I, I get it. But, yeah, I, I, I do like the veteran presence. And, and to bring up – it's so funny you said that because I was just thinking, like, you know, what, what young quarterbacks are going to be cast off soon that the Chiefs can bring in, can, can kind of, you know, give a second chance to. Hopefully they, they just find a niche in the Chiefs. You know, Sam Darnold. It's funny you said that because I did think of Sam Darnold. What if he did come to the Chiefs? I, you know, I think another team will take a chance on him before the Chiefs get a chance to make him the backup. But, uh, but yeah, I, if we could find a happy medium of the guys that's been in the league for like five years and, and he's got another five left, that could, you know, be a backup or maybe even eight or nine. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying about the veteran presence, but I do, maybe, maybe there's a happy medium somewhere in there. I definitely hear you, man. You know, it's funny because you brought that up and a guy that I always thought about in regards to being like that career backup, that's always reliable. And it gives you a little bit of what the starter gives you whenever he's out. Um, Jim Kelly's, uh, backup for so many years was Frank Reich, right? Wasn't he like such a great compliment for whenever Kelly was out remember with the Bills all those years? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And I, I yeah, he was, uh, he stepped in there and he, I, the comeback went, I forget who they were playing, but there was a playoff game where Reich led him to that comeback. And I think he did it again in, in, at another point in his career. He was like, he was known as that comeback guy, that backup guy. So yeah, absolutely. If we can find a guy like that, absolutely. That's, uh, that is the perfect situation possible. And, uh, like, speaking of actual, which could be a perfect situation, this is my version of a bad segue, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon Bell, we got to see the, uh, their version of the, the, the two backfield situation, having the, the share carries and, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire being the starter, Bell kind of being the compliment guy. I think we saw a preview of it because if you look at the numbers, you know, Edwards-Alaire, he had a touchdown, but he only had eight carries, 46 yards. Bell had six carries, 39 yards, and this is mostly because the game was pretty well in hand. Are you, did you, were you impressed with Bell and, and the way he, you know, obviously his debut with the Chiefs and the way that he was used along with um, Edwards-Alaire and Mitch, I'm coming with you on this. I mean, yeah, I think we only saw him run the ball like six times, and then he was in a couple of passing plays. Um, I think he had a, a good pass block, you know, in, in one of them, so I, yeah, it was impressive. Obviously, he hasn't much, had much time with the offense, so he's still learning it. Um, but I know he had two runs for over 15 yards, and, you know, so he already was, he's already doing better than he was with the Jets. Like, so I, I'm impressed. Uh, I think, you know, for at least this season, he's going to be really good for the Chiefs, and I'm excited to see what he looks like next week against his former team. I can see him going off and having a 100-yard game just because, you know, he wants his revenge game against the Jets, going against Adam Gase, who's talked bad about him a couple times. So it's going to be exciting. Um, you know, I think he's been really well. I'm excited to see what he looks like more in the passing game just because I know he can be a great receiver. But, yeah, I'm impressed and I'm excited moving forward with him. Yeah, Bell was, Bell was good in his debut and obviously didn't get a lot of touches, but he made the most out of what he did. Um, and, to, and to go off that point that Mitch is making about next week um, with the Jets and, and Bell and that history, I do agree. I do think Bell's going to come in here, you know, obviously – Everybody knows the situation that he and the Jets had a tumultuous uh, relationship. But if I'm the coaching staff for the Chiefs, you have to handle that correctly. You can't, you know, get him a get him some goal line touches, get him in the end zone, let him feel like he's made a statement, but don't let him damage the team. Don't let him come in and, and overshadow what the team and the goal and all that all that's doing. Don't make this about Le'Veon Bell and the Jets. This is still the Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell is the newest Chief. He's still proving himself. Let's, you know, let's. Uh, allow him to be in the locker room, be a part of the team, but he's not the focal point, and I don't think he ever will be. Um, so, yes, get Bell in the, in the red zone, get him in the goal line, get him a touchdown, let him stick it to his former team a little bit, but let's, you know, obviously let's do the, the thing that the Chiefs have always done, and that's just go out and win football games. Yeah, that would definitely be the key. And, you know, we've all seen the odds and everything heading into this Jets game. This is supposed to be, like, one of the biggest uh, – 
if if the Jets were to win, it would be like one of the biggest paydays in uh, Vegas history in regards to betting. So like you hear all that stuff out there and how the Chiefs should, you know, pretty much roll over a uh, a winless team that you know is fighting with their coach amongst their coaching staff. They don't know if Darnold's the guy at quarterback. Do they know if they want to tank for for Trevor Lawrence in the draft? There's just so many different questions they have. Frank Gore as their running back, who's about 37 years old. You don't know who their wide receivers really are. There's so many different things wrong with this Jets team. So I always say these games are always dangerous because a team like this really has nothing to lose because they've lost everything already. They're going to throw their best punch. They know that everyone's expecting them to lose anyway, so they want to shock the world. Could this be a problem situation for the Chiefs, or is Andy Reid ready for what's ever going to be thrown their way? Talon, I'm going to start with you on this. I'm just going to be very blunt here, and I hope I don't eat my words. God, I hope I don't eat my words, but no. Um, the Jets, <laughs> watching the Bills and Jets game last week, it's, and, and it looked close. It was an 18-10 to 10 win for the Bills. But the Bills made repeated trips to the red zone and even hovered around. Like, they would get to, like, the 24, and they would just completely stalled out. Uh, their kicker made every single one of their points, six field goals. He attempted eight. So the game should have been even bigger than 18 to 10. The, they, the Bills uh, marched up and down the field on the Jets. They had, like, four, over 400 yards of offense. Um, but the uh, key turnovers and, 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 and stuff in the red zone is what killed the Bills here. Um, to not have it. This should have been a 21-point win for the Bills, easily. The, the Jets came out early and scored 10 points in the first half, and they were completely shut down in the second. It was not as close of a game as it looks. The Jets are a piss-poor football team. I'm sorry, but it, it irritates me as a coach to see a team at this level and then the NFL be this bad, and it's kind of hard to even fathom how they are this bad. They don't have any really playmakers. Their defense is terrible. They don't have any true corners. They don't have any uh, – you know, they're, they're trying to bring along this rookie running back with Michael Pirine and then split carries with Frank Gore. Why? I don't know. Their offensive line is suspect. Their, their starting left tackle is a rookie who's been damaged up with a shoulder injury. I just – I don't understand. They can't protect Arnold. Arnold makes bad – this is just a terrible team. And I, just, I don't see any way they come in and beat the Chiefs. And watch, I say that famous last word is going to happen. But no, I just, in my own opinion, and, and from a football fan, all that stuff, I just do not see how the Jets come in and, and beat the Chiefs. I just can't see it. Well, I don't think I need to say much. I think Talon said it all right there. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah, Talon was completely correct. They're just not a very good team. Um, I just hope the Chiefs aren't looking too far ahead um, because, you know, it is the NFL. Anything can happen. But, uh, I mean, the Chiefs better win this game. They should win this game, and I think they will. I think they'll do it pretty comfortably. I mean, I, could, I think it's going to be a little bit closer than what I think the betting line is, which I think is like 21 points. I think it's going to be closer to like 15 to maybe 10. I just because I know the Chiefs probably aren't going to put their full heart into it, which may be a bad thing because I could see, you know, if they, if they don't put everything into it, you know, the Jets are still an NFL team, so things can happen. But uh, the Chiefs are just so much better in almost every aspect of the game that this shouldn't be a game. So it'll be interesting to see, like, how motivated Chiefs are this Sunday. Mitch, I have to – first of all, I have to give you uh, credit for trying to be as uh, – diplomatic as possible to give the Jets some hope. Talon, uh, we're on the same wavelength in regards to how we feel about the team right now. And, you know, like I said, once again, I'm going to – I had kind of – how can I say I teased this about two weeks ago, saying that I, I really wanted to talk about the Jets. I'm from New York. and Go off, Ed. Go off, Ed. <laughs> and I have to tell you this. The New York Jets have, in my opinion – been probably one of the most overrated franchises in all of sports. And I say overrated because they're always in some type of discussion, and yet they haven't really won. They haven't won anything. We're still talking about a Super Bowl that was won back in 1969. Their, their best player, like their most iconic player, is Joe Namath. If you look up Joe Namath's stats, I, I don't think I really need to say much more. It's like he's the worst statistical quarterback in the Hall of Fame by far. And he is the guy that represents this franchise and has always been basically the face of the, of the Jets. When you talk about the Jets, they always go Joe Namath. No matter what, no matter who's on the team, they go Joe Namath. The Jets have not been to a Super Bowl since 1969. Isn't that kind of crazy to think about? But yet, 
and I, I know you guys, you're not from New York, but you, you guys always hear about the Jets. Like, the Jets are always in a conversation somehow, right? But yet, they haven't, they haven't given you a reason to talk about them outside of Hard Knocks with Rex Ryan talking about his wife's feet or just some of the random signings they do for guys that are past their prime, whether it's LaDainian Tomlinson, Jason Taylor, uh, you know, Frank Gore, like, just now, like, it's just – it's always a weird situation. Um, the best example I can give you is obviously Bill Belichick becoming the coach for one day – or not even one day. I think it was like maybe a couple of minutes and then declining the job. If that doesn't tell you anything about the franchise. I, I don't know what does. And I speak from a person that always look at the Giants as the dominant team and, and the Giants have proven to be the dominant team, obviously not this season, but in the past – it's just hard for me to ever see how, I don't know, I know I'm not, but how anybody, anyone can say they want to be a Jets fan. I, I just don't see it. It's like this team gives you nothing. They have not given you anything. They've given you AFC title appearances and the butt fumble. I, I just, I, I don't see where you could be a Jets fan and then look at yourself and say, I'm happy with the way life is going. I, I just, that's my personal opinion. I'm going to be quiet for a little bit because I don't want to go on too much of a rant. So, um, guys, I want to jump right into this. Who do you feel like is a wild card heading into this game? Talon, you start first. I think we just need to end the show now. Like, I don't know if we could top that. Like, that was, <laughs> that was poetry. <laughs> Man, I love it. I love seeing that side of you, Ed. I love it. Um, man, that's uh, the wild card. It, it could be anybody. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Le'Veon Bell. Um, I do think he gets he gets in the end zone. I do think he scores. I don't know if he sees more than ten touches though. Um, I don't think that's you know he's just not a, gonna be that big of a part of the game plan. But I do think he's gonna be a wild card. I do think he's gonna be playing with a chip on his shoulder. I do think he's gonna score. Um, but yeah, so I'm gonna go with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I'm going to go with Byron Pringle. I know uh, he may not be too much of a wild card just because he's been performing the last two weeks, but I'd like to see him get more involved in the offense. I've talked about this, you know, this week and also last week. Um, I think he's starting to get the trust of Andy Reid and the rest of the Chiefs a lot more. So um, I'd like to see him, you know, have a big game against the Jets where, you know, he might get a lot of playing time just because this might be a blowout early. So I could see him getting a couple more targets than we usually see and then him having a pretty big game. You know, now that I've calmed down a little bit and I've had time to just process a little bit of what I said, and, you know, I, I try not to come off too harsh when I talk about the Jets. But uh, when it comes to wild, you know, the wild card and uh, Mitch, you actually hit around in those that it's probably going to be a blowout as well. So I'm just going to go ahead and say Chad Henney is going to be my, my wild card. I feel like he's going to show us some more of what he can do. He's going to get a lot more time in the second half because I, I just can't see this game going – being competitive past the third quarter. Once again, we could all be wrong here. We could all be wrong because it's the NFL. Things happen. But I I just 100% believe the Chiefs are winning this game. Okay, it could be closer than, um, you know, we're all expecting it to be. But the Chiefs are going to win this game. I just, I just can't see it because, once again, guys, and I'm going to just pose this question to you because, you know, we could talk about the actual what's going to happen on the field. But when you look at the Jets franchise, there's just so many different things that just don't make sense from the, from the outside, um, just from the outside eye. The quarterback, not the quarterback, even though Sam Darrell's his own issue within itself. The coach doesn't know what he's doing. He's probably not going to be here. Uh, the general manager, you know, he didn't hire the coach. And remember, the general manager was brought in, I think, uh, a couple of weeks after they hired Gase. So you got that situation going on. I'm just going to pose the question. What do you guys think of the Jets franchise as a whole? Just in your opinion, because I already gave my opinion, so I'm going to stop saying it. Talon, you're on. Well, yeah, man. I mean, obviously, <laughs> when you look at, you know, the Browns have been the pariah of the NFL for a long time, but I don't think they've deserved it. I mean, they've been bad. They've been terrible. But I think the Jets are right there with them. The Jets, uh, yeah, I mean, they haven't won a division title since 2002. Uh, you mentioned it, the one Super Bowl win a long, long time ago. Uh, haven't made the playoffs a lot. Um, have have recycled coaches, have have gone through a lot of quarterbacks, haven't really had the guy. I mean, the, really, you could argue that Chad Pennington has been the guy that they've had. That kind of tells you everything you know how you horrible know. that sounds? 
Exactly. I'm sorry, could you? <laughs> that's just, that's, just, that's exactly. terrible. He would tell you that's terrible. Like, exactly. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the fact that that's been their guy kind of tells you everything you need to know about them as a franchise. And they need to find their guy. They need to find a coach. They need to find – and it needs to start from the top. It needs to start with the general manager. It needs to start um, – with, with from the top and goes down. You need to get the, the right people in there. You need to get the right people to stay. Uh, and, and you need to go out and you just need to build everything. It's, it's not going to be an overnight thing because this team is is not in good shape. They have good young players. I will say that. They had a decent draft. Mikai Becton, I think, is going to be good. Uh, LaMichael Pirine is good, but they need, a, they need a stud star running back. Pirine is going to be good, but he's, he's more of a, you know, a split carry kind of guy. Their defense is in a whole lot of trouble. They don't really have um, – many playmakers there and there's so many rookies and pivotal roles on this team that it's going to take a while to turn this thing around so yes i i'm with you ed i'm not as passionate about it but i do look at the jets and think man how did they get like so bad for so long and and really there's not a lot of talk about it yeah i mean uh to be honest they kind of remind me of the chiefs but they kind of don't at the same time uh just historically because you mean uh, the Jets won their Super Bowl in 1969. The Chiefs won theirs in 1970, and the Chiefs just won their second Super Bowl last year. So, like, we've had tons of years without success. Uh, I mean, the main difference is it's kind of what you guys just talked about is that we've had multiple guys. We've had some winning teams. Some, you know, we've had a Joe Montana almost take us to the Super Bowl. We've had some really good teams, unlike the Jets, who just have been bad for since 1969. They just haven't done anything. They had that one run in 2002, and that's the only time I can really think they think that they've really done anything or really, you know, were surprising where people thought, Oh, they may actually have a chance here, but there is a really poorly run organization. I think it goes all the way to the ownership. They, they're really going to have to like look themselves in the mirror and really fix some things if they want to be a successful NFL team moving forward. And um, I'm, I'm so happy you brought up Joe Montana. You know, you bring in a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, obviously he's towards the end of his career, but he was still was pushing the chiefs. The chiefs were in the AFC title game. Chiefs are still a playoff contender. Everyone forget that Brent Favre's first stop was with the Jets for that season. I remember that. He was on the cover of Madden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. Well, the most memorable thing is he was on the cover of Madden. So That was it. No, no, the most memorable thing, there was a whole scandal behind the scenes. His one month, he only spent one year there. And it was a scandal in terms of how he was in the office place with the intern. There was a whole bunch of stuff, you know? That's right. Goes, I, for, I, for, I forgot about all that, yeah. That was his just legacy. Then he goes to the Vikings and revitalizes. He does what Joe Montana did for his, you know, his time with the Chiefs with the Vikings. So it's just like he, he was just there with the Jets for a year. And then goes to the Vikings and it has a proper send-off, if you want to call it. It's, it's stuff like that, you know? And um, like I said – I live in New York. Uh, there's so there. There's a there's a lot of passionate Jets fans. So I have a lot of friends that are huge Jets fans, and they try to justify to me why they support this team and why they're so good. Because they you know they hate Giants fans. Because Jets and Giants fans, it, it doesn't mix. There is no such thing as being a Jets and a Giants fan in New York. So hearing Jets fans for so many years, when it was Giants Stadium, obviously now MetLife Stadium talk so highly of this team that does not bring a Lombardi trophy into the stadium or even an AFC title trophy into the stadium is beyond me. And I, I just, I, like I said, I'm done. That's all I got right now. When it comes to the Jets, I'll, I'll stop talking about it. You know, it's, it's, this is what's going to happen. So it's going to be fun seeing the, the Chiefs play them. Um, curious about scores right now. Um, I'm going to give mine real quick because I've been talking for so long. I got Chiefs winning 35 to 10. 35 to 10. I'm going with that. Talon, what do you have? Yeah, it's going to be it's not going to be pretty. I the Jets have scored 20 total points in the last 3 weeks. Uh 10 points, 0 points last week and then 2 weeks ago 10 points. They're they're not a good offensive team and the Chiefs defense is good. So I do think this is going to be a very widespread game in terms of the point spread. I do think the Chiefs probably bog it down a little bit because it's going to be so out of hand by the third, fourth quarter. I don't think they score as many, but I do think it's going to be 31 to seven Chiefs. I'm right there with you guys. I got the Chiefs winning 31 to 13. I just think, you know, near the third quarter, the Chiefs are going to have such a big lead that they kind of stop playing, put their backups in, 
and maybe the Jets get a touchdown near the end of the game. But, yeah, Chiefs win Dick 31-13. Well, there you have it. You know, I think we, we kept it pretty clean. You know, at least I tried to when it came, when it came to my assessment of the Jets. But, uh, like I said, we should be expecting another Chiefs victory. And I'm curious to see the interaction. Now I'm looking for the little mini stories between – Le'Veon Bell and, and Adam Gase, will there be any communication before the game or during the game? Will, will Le'Veon Bell, such a showy guy, is he going to try and show him up in the middle of the game? Like, these are the things I'm, I'm looking forward to now. So um, that's what we got. That's, that's what we have in regards to this game. So, um, guys, you know, until next week, we will be breaking down this game and uh, looking ahead to Carolina. This has been the Chiefs Wire Roundtable. Catch us next time. Now it's time for a look back at some of the sound from the press conferences this past week. Hey, Coach. Uh, good morning to you. Um, you know, obviously, Election Day is coming up next week. Just your your thoughts, your closing thoughts on what you all view as success, uh, with what you all are doing with the voter registration that you've done thus far, and then using Arrowhead uh, as a location, polling location this Tuesday. Yeah, so listen, I, I'm proud of our guys for uh, having the wherewithal to come up with Uh, a plan. And then for our organization, uh, Clark Hunt and Mark Donovan, uh, to work with them to get it done. And I mean, you don't see that all the time. So um, that that respect for the for the players and the players respect for our ownership, I think is, is very important uh, to have. And so uh, to actually have it here, uh, on campus per se, but uh, right here at Arrowhead, I think is a tremendous tribute to all that were involved in getting it done. Let's go next to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Andy, you've obviously had a lot of guys play against their former teams. Just just generally speaking, do you feel like you get a little bit of extra out of guys when, when they're playing against a, a team that cut them? Um, I, I suppose. I mean, I, I don't know that. Um, I think what's a uh, once the whistle blows and it's time to start, I think you kind of put that um, in the back of your mind. If that was kind of your plan, you just you're playing and you're playing the best of your ability, and uh, that's what that's what you end up doing. So, um, anyways, that's that's what I think. I just you know, I haven't done it for a couple of years and watch guys uh, go through it. Um, I think that's what happens. <clears throat> Let's go next to Herbie Tiope. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach, good morning. Off the football field, um, it seems like the city of Kansas City is making a push to, to, to attempt to lure the Toronto Raptors here. If you could make a, a pitch to the Raptors of why Kansas City would be unique for them, what would it be? Yeah, well, um, I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal sports town, I guess. Herbie is what I'd tell them. And, um, and not that Toronto's not. I'm not saying that. I, uh, they're good people. I've been to Toronto, too. So, but uh, – I believe we'd love to have you and let's go. Let's roll. Um, uh, no, no better sports place than right here. Let's go next to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Andy, I know we're getting Travis uh, here in a little bit. I wanted to ask you just in terms of production, consistency, uh, even improving as a run blocker uh, from when he started, just where are you most impressed with what Travis has done this season so far? Yeah, well, he's obviously a complete player, pro, pro Bowl player, uh, all pro player, um, record holder, all those things. Uh, but every day he comes to work, and that's the part I like the best. And he tries to get better at his game. I mean, he diligently works with Pat, diligently works with Tom in the run game, asks questions, wants to get it right, all those things. I mean, um, and – uh, wants to be the best. So, I, I mean, I, I can appreciate that. Absolutely. Go next to Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin. Coach, I know uh, Brett's the guy that's that's handling, you know, looking around what's going on in the league. But just in general, the, the teams are much more aggressive, it seems, at the trade deadline now. That, it, it, you know, 10 years ago it was like, hey, we – you know, it's too far gone. We can't fit them into our scheme. They can't learn what we're doing. But more and more we're seeing guys do that. Why? Why, why do you think it is 
uh, that, that guys are now able to change teams in season and, and be effective? Or is it just about maybe young general managers like Brett Feach that are much more aggressive than maybe the old guard? Yeah, it might be. I, you know, I, I'm not, that's a good question though, Saran. I, I think um, just with the, the way free agency sets up in its world today and the salary cap, I think people are a little bit more flexible uh, and you have to be with bringing people in and letting people go. And, um, <clears throat> and so I think just with time here, that's ended up uh, causing people to be a little bit more aggressive and feel more comfortable bringing people in. But um, I, I can't tell you the success rate right off the top of my uh, mind here, but I could, I could uh, tell you before free agency wasn't a high success rate. I can't tell you what it is bringing guys in <clears throat> on the trades, but I, it seems like it might be a, even a little bit more successful than true free agency. We've got two more questions. We'll go with uh, Pete Sweeney and then Todd Lebo. Go ahead, Pete. Good morning, Coach. Uh, since he arrived in Kansas City, Le'Veon has just been really, I think, outward with how happy he is to be here. In your eyes, how has he been a fit inside the locker room, and why has Kansas City been such a good fit for him? Well, I, I think the offense fits him. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, he can see his talents uh, and what he does best show up, um, you know, in this offense. He can he could see it before he got here, and then he had a chance to show it here the other day. So <clears throat> I think that for a player, that's a positive thing. And um, I, don't, I can't tell you how he felt going to New York. I don't know that. So, um, but I, I think he, with ours, he could see it and, um, and we, you know, we put him to work. So I think that's what he wanted. He wants to, he wants to play. And I think he and, <clears throat> he and Clyde are a good combination right there. They, uh, and he's a good person. And, you know, we have Daryl too. So <clears throat> you don't, you don't forget about Daryl, who's a good football player too. And, um, and so it all works out you know, well for, for us in that position. We'll go to Todd Levo with the last one. Go ahead, Todd. Hey, Coach, from the outside, people will look and say the Jets don't have a chance, you know, 21-point underdogs, all that stuff. They haven't won a game. When you address the team, what do you tell them about the Jets that's dangerous? I and mean, how? what about their scheme or their personnel can, can provide some danger to you guys this week? Yeah, so this league is um, is been all about parity. I mean, that's what the league strive for. And so it's never as good as you think and never as bad as you think, um, whether it's driven by the gambling or whether it's driven by the media, you know, whatever it's driven by that pre present those numbers. I, I don't pay attention to them first, but I, you mentioned them to me. So I, um, I go off of what I see on tape. I go off of that every week somebody gets picked off. That was one of these favorites or whatever. And so you go back and you focus on your agenda and you study the opponent, you respect the opponent, and then you get yourself right to make yourself get better every week. And if you lose focus on that, then you have a problem in this league. I mean, there's just, these are good football players and good coaches. And so best in the world, right? Because you look at it. So you, you don't lose focus on that. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.